0: Hello, Third Church family. It's good to be with you, though we're together in this strangely digitally mediated way. And uh, I I know that this is unusual, um, but I hope that whoever you're with right now and wherever you are, um, that you'll know that we are still together in worship. Uh, we're still bound together in Christ, and we're still one body, um, worshiping together in this scattered way. You might remember that. We just recently started a series on the Apostles' Creed, and this week I was slated to preach on the phrase "Maker of Heaven and Earth." And you know, I was thinking about—I had actually had a sermon ready uh, to preach about that—but I was thinking about it and the need to really speak to this particular moment that we're in. But I still want to touch on that phrase, "Maker of Heaven and Earth," because it's a really powerful phrase that helps us address what it means for us as Christians to face. Moments of crisis like this one. And so I want to read to you a psalm, Psalm 121, one of my favorite psalms, in which that phrase, maker of heaven and earth, um, is actually used. So um, I'm going to read it now from Psalm 121. You're welcome to pause the video at this time and read it on your own if you'd like. Uh, But I'll just read it, read it now to you. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord and forevermore. It's a beautiful psalm, clearly written by a person who was in crisis. Uh, We don't know exactly what the crisis was, but we know that because in the very beginning, in the first verse, he says, I look up to the hills. And we know in ancient times that the hills uh, represented an unknown threat. Uh, It was a place from where enemies would often descend to destroy, And so he's clearly anticipating some unknown danger that is about to descend upon him. And he's freaking out a little bit. He's asking, who is here to help me? Who can I look to uh, for help in this moment of crisis? Uh, and in many ways, that's where many of us feel right now. Much of the fear and anxiety that many of us feel come from not knowing exactly what it is about this unknown threat that is coming over the mountains uh, to to, to, to face us. Uh, There's the unknown of the virus itself, Um, the fact that very little is still known about it, the fact that we don't have a vaccine, um, that there's no known treatment, the fact that we don't know who might even have it among us and how it's spreading. There's all the unknowns that it's creating. Um, The stock market is a huge example of that. I mean, many of us are very fearful about what's happened to our money and what will happen to our money in the coming days. Uh, we're afraid uh, about how this is impacting our, our our society and the social institutions that we depend on for stability. Um, it's a very scary time as we anticipate the unknown threats that are before us in our future. I once heard someone say that anxiety uh, is imagining the future without Jesus in it. Uh, and to me, that's a wonderful definition of anxiety that many of us are experiencing right now and what the psalmist was experiencing is anticipating this unknown threat that is coming towards us that we imagine will undo us because we just don't have the resources uh, to face it. So what do we do? What do we do when our lives are filled with fear about an unknown threat uh, that is coming for us? Well, let's say first what the psalmist doesn't do. What the psalmist doesn't do is he doesn't play down the threat. Uh, and act like it's not more substantial than it really is. He doesn't say, well, uh, maybe it won't be a big deal, or or maybe the danger is not as great as I thought, or maybe I'm overreacting. Um, No, he doesn't play it down. He doesn't make the threat smaller. What he does is he looks to the one who is greater than the threat. He says, my help is in the maker of heaven and earth. We all have different ways that we handle uh, moments of crisis and fear like this one. Some of us have a propensity to give into the fear and to become consumed by it and overwhelmed by it. Um, others of us cope in a different way by playing down the fear and playing down the threat and saying, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, it's just a normal flu. It's uh, being over, over overreacting. It's the fear-mongering of the media. And there's even sort of a Christian way to play down the crisis a little bit and say, well, just trust in Jesus, don't worry, Uh, everything's going to be fine. But, you know, what we see from scriptures like this is that that's actually not very biblical. That's false assurance. That's false courage. It's not Christian to close our eyes to the danger uh, and to pretend like that the threat is smaller than it really is, We don't want to do that right now. And that's why we want to pay attention uh, to open our eyes to the gravity of the situation that we're in, to listen to the experts, to listen to the public health officials. That's why we're not meeting together in church this morning because we're trying to follow the protocols and the suggestions to curb the spread of the virus. And so it's not Christian or courageous to ignore or play down the seriousness of the threat. That's actually selfish because it's to put vulnerable people at risk. The fact is, friends, is that we live in a world that is dangerous and that is fragile and that is full of dangers and threats. Our world is broken and it's cursed. uh, And that is true all the time. It was true last week. It was true last year. Uh, It's true all the time, that all the time our, our lives are fragile and we are highly out of control. The problem is, is that most of the time we don't experience that. Uh, Most of the time we experience what the philosopher Charles Taylor calls uh, the buffered self. That's a phrase that he used to describe what it's like to live in the affluent Western world. He says that our wealth and our technological progress almost like wraps us up in bubble wrap, where we feel at times immune from the threats and the problems of the world. We feel like the world is safe or we feel like we're not vulnerable. We feel like we're in control. And one of the things this pandemic done has done is it has shattered that illusion of control. It's unwrapped the bubble wrap and made us feel acutely what has always true all along is that we are out of control of many things and that our lives are fragile and insecure. And this is the real world. This is the world that most people live in every day around the planet. And this is the, the world that most people have lived in in history. This is the world that Jesus Promised when he said to us, his disciples, in this world you will have trouble. That was a promise of Jesus. That's not, that's not a promise that we like very much. It's not a promise that you can find in one of those little Bible promise books, uh, but it's true. In this world, Jesus said, we will have trouble. So, what do we do with that? You know, so we, we know what we don't do is give in to the fear. Uh, on the other hand, we don't play down the threat and the danger and act like it doesn't exist. But the faithful thing to do is, is what we see the psalmist doing. We see the psalmist looking to the one who is bigger than the threat, who is bigger than the danger, who is bigger than heaven and earth. He said, our help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In the face of a world that feels out of control, that feels dangerous, that feels threatening, he affirms that there is one who is bigger than the threat, bigger than the danger, who has made the world, who sustains the world, preserves the world, who is renewing the world, uh, who oversees everything that happens in the universe, everything that happens in the world from the sun and the moon, the mountains and the oceans. And Jesus said that this same Father, who is the maker and creator of all things, even cares about and watches over the tiniest little details of your life down to the smallest hairs on your head, that you are precious to him, that you're precious to the maker of heaven and earth. And so Jesus is saying to us, if, if the God who has this kind of power over the whole universe cares this deeply for you, then can't you trust him to take care of your little life. So that's why Jesus is saying to us in this moment right now, do not be afraid. Uh, It's not because there isn't any danger, but it's because he's calling us to trust the one who is bigger than the danger, who's bigger than any threat, who is bigger than anything that could ever threaten to undo us. God is our refuge and strength. Jesus says, I am the one who has overcome the world. The only thing you must ever fear, Jesus said, is the one who could throw your body and soul into hell. And Jesus has already faced that fear for us by enduring our judgment on our behalf. And so literally there is nothing for any Christian to fear. Nothing, whether virus or death or trouble or hardship, nothing can snatch us from God's hand. Our lives are safe and secure in him. That's really good news for a moment like this. So the last thing I just want to commend to you, uh, my dear family, is that people who are free from fear are the ones who are best equipped to sacrificially love our neighbors. Uh, people who are free from fear are the ones who are best equipped to sacrificially love our neighbors. First John 4:18 says, "Perfect love drives out fear." Isn't that a great phrase? "Perfect love? drives out fear. And you know, the opposite is also true, that perfect fear drives out love. Uh, I've seen some pretty disturbing uh, scenes on social media over the last few days. I mean, scenes of people um, fighting over uh, the last roll of toilet paper in the grocery store, or um, stealing hand sanitizer, or um, discriminating against People of Asian descent or the elderly, or you know fear of you know carrying viruses. It's, it's disturbing because in moments of crisis like this, we see often we see people who, in normal times appear generally good and moral, suddenly acting very selfish, uh, mean, and self-preserving. Uh, and the reason is because perfect fear drives out love, um, that fear draws out what is often worst about us. Um, And so what we see is that morality is not strong enough to help us love in times like this. Um, Simple morality and religion is not strong enough. We need something deeper. Uh, We need the gospel. Uh, We need the truth that we have a father who loves us, that we're united to Jesus who lived and died for us, and that we have the spirit within us. We need something deeper to empower us to love. And that's what we have uh, as Christians. Rodney Stark is a social scientist who wrote a really interesting book called The Rise of Christianity. um, And the subtitle is How the Obscure Marginal Jesus Movement Became the Dominant Religious Force in the Western World in a Few Centuries. He's basically a social scientist who was trying to statistically track how the Christian movement in the first three centuries went from being this tiny little minority movement to becoming the dominant religion of the Roman Empire. And one of the things that he did is traced it back to how Christians behaved when two major epidemics, plagues, hit hit, um, the world at the time in 162 and 251 AD. These were massive, massive plagues that decimated populations. And most everyone, out of self-protection, fled into the hills, away from the urban centers. But shockingly, Christians decided to stay, stay put in the urban centers, and to to love and give themselves to caring for those in need, for the sick and for the poor. Um, And what Rodney Stark says is that because of their commitment to do this and their message of redemption through sacrifice and victory over death, plus the deep social cohesion of these early Christian communities, they were especially equipped to cope in the midst of crisis and to care for people in need. And so that's just amazing. We have that amazing opportunity right now Uh, in 2020. I am not advocating for foolishness. I'm not saying that we should just sort of walk recklessly into danger. I mean, we've heard this week that one of the best ways that we can love our neighbor is through social distancing, um, by preventing um, the flu from spreading. And yet, at the same time, um, after this pandemic has passed, what will our neighbors remember about us? Uh, Will they remember that basically they didn't see you for three weeks because you were cloistered in your house, binging on Netflix and just protecting yourself and your money? Um, or will they remember that those Christian people were active in loving and serving neighbors, um, checking on our elderly members and neighbors and people in our parishes, um, checking in with people, writing notes, calling people who might feel especially anxious, um, providing food and meals maybe for our friends who are healthcare workers or especially overburdened with work in this really pressurizing time. Um, Providing childcare for working families whose kids are out of school. Um, Maybe helping build neighborhood coalitions or message boards to mobilize people for service. You know, and all these things, we're of course gonna follow recommended safety protocols and the, the, the safety precautions that we know are important. And yet, let's not waste this moment, friends. Let's not waste this moment on ourselves. Our faith in the maker of heaven and earth frees us from fear to love. This is a rare moment, a rare moment for the church to be the church. So let's remember that. Let's embrace this moment. It's a moment for us to remember what is our true hope, Uh, not in the stock market, not in our uh, self-preservation techniques. Our hope is in the maker of heaven and earth. Uh, We, it's a moment for us to remember what is the church. The church is not uh, the events and the programs and the big services. The church is the fellowship of the people of God, united in Jesus. Uh, And let's remember right now our calling, that our calling is not self-preservation, but our calling is to sacrificially serve each other, our neighbors, and the vulnerable in love. So what a moment, what an opportunity God has given us through the joy and the freedom of the gospel. So I'm excited about uh, uh, walking into this moment with you all um, in unity and in love. So let me me pray for us in this moment. Father, I wanna thank you that you are the maker of heaven and earth and that because of that promise and because of Jesus, we don't ever have to be afraid uh, because we know the one who is bigger than any threat. So we pray that you would free us from fear um, and that you would help us to be sober-minded and wise about the way that we're living our lives in the coming weeks, and that we would be those who are freed from our fear in order to love, um, especially our neighbors and the vulnerable around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.